This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Coming up today, we preview hard water fishing with Dick Beardsley of Dick Beardsley's Fishing Guide Service. Since that conversation, there are definitely some places you can do that. Plus, we've got a Lake of the Week from the Brainerd Lakes area, too. It's all coming up. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. This is Mandy Yurk, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Well, he popped in for another reason, so we figured we might as well talk fishing with him. Dick Beardsley, welcome back. Hey, Kev, good to be here. The snow's been falling the last few days. (laughs) It's like winter time out there now. It uh, it is most definitely like winter time. How long before we're going to see ice? Yeah, well, I tell you what, Kev, I was out doing a little scouting the other day, and a few of the smaller, like large ponds, smaller, shallower lakes that most of them don't hold much for fish populations because they're just too shallow, but they're all buttoned up. And the good news is, with this snow that we've been getting, is that most of the lakes that are fishable that we tend to fish in the winter time. They're not, you know, they're wide open yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we're going to get snow, let's get her now, then get a good stretch of nice cold weather and get, you know, get a nice 8, 10 inches of snow, maybe, or excuse me, 8, 10 inches of ice, even more hopefully, before we get any big snows on top of that. And that would really bode good for a great ice fishing season. So is your boat put away? It is. Finally. (laughs) Finally. It was, I I tell you, I had a, a, a guide trip scheduled for November 12th. And uh, the high that day was going to be 19, I think, with strong winds. And I told the guy when he booked it back in October, I said, it's going to be hit and miss. And and uh, so I gave him a call and I said, you know what, It's we got to just shut her down now. I got to get my boat in. It was right before the snow came in last week. So I wanted to get my boat winterized, get that put away. So it's always a sad day for me when I put the boat away. But as soon as I get the cover on and get it pushed into the garage where I keep it, it's like, all right. You go take a nice little break, and now I get fired up for the ice fishing season. So I'm, I've been getting my wheelhouses ready to go. You know, little things you got to do to get them all set to go. And uh, yeah, I'll start working on my rods and reels here in the next couple of days. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it now. I got to think the only people willing to be out there right now are just the hardcore musky guys. It's got to be, and even them. I I went and went around Lake Bemidji as best I could. You can't get through that one area up there on the north end. But I pretty much went around the lake just looking to see if I saw Kevin Cochran out there. Because if anybody's going to be out there <laughs> yes. chasing muskies, it's going to be him. I didn't see any boats. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't guys out there. Yeah. You know, it's a big lake and trying to see somebody out there. But, uh, yeah, I think for the most part, most people have uh, – Put away the boats and get ready for the ice season. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of them, you know, that, that even the ones that, that like the fall bite, most many of them are, are deer hunters. Right. And, and they're just going to shut her down. Yeah. And just concentrate on deer hunting and then, then do ice. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I uh, 
I always go out to South Dakota in that first week in November and do some guiding out there. And then my, my son Andy's buried out there, and he was an Army veteran. So I get his grave, you know, spruced up for the holidays. And uh, so I was out there, did a couple guide trips out there, and then fished by myself a couple of days. And the bite was, was really good out there in the fall, as it is around here. And got the biggest walleye caught all uh, all year long was a 28-and-a-half-incher out there, big, fat female and you know got her put back in the lake and and but the fall bite here kev in the bemidji area was you know was really good and the jig bite was you know off the charts and you know me i (laughs) i like jig fishing year round for walleyes and it's always a fun time of the year when you get out there and do that yeah you know we had a actually i would say for walleyes probably as steady a season as we've had in a long time yeah, that August shut down for a little while, yeah. but it wasn't long. No, it really wasn't. And I wouldn't say it was a lights-out season, but it, there weren't any lulls. You know, there weren't any, like, where it was, the bite on a particular lake was just hotter than a pistol for a week or two. Like, sometimes the lakes can kind of do that. But it was just consistent, whether it be Lake Bemidji, Big Lake, the Cass Lake chain, the Turtle River chain of lakes. I mean, it was just a good all-around walleye bite. And the bass fishing, you know, that was really, really good. And the crappie fishing was good. And um, so, yeah, overall, it was a good summer. And, um, boy, it's hard to believe now we're <laughs> closing in on Thanksgiving here shortly. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, that's a tough one to take. I know. Basis. But, you know, um, it, it just it seems like, and part of it is our age, Dick. Yes. Uh, summers get faster every They do. Year. Kev, I remember my dad, so I'll be 67 coming up in March. I remember when my dad was in his 60s and he would say, man, the older I get, the quicker time goes. I said, oh man, what's he talking about? But it's true. I'm at that point now where the time just goes by so gosh darn quick that, uh, yeah, it's it seems like just yesterday I was out in the shorts and the t-shirt out in the boat fishing and now all of a sudden I'm you know got winter boots on and winter coat and ready to get ice fishing started here soon. Well, you know, I, Tom Lucas has a very good, interesting theory about that. He he says, well, when you're six or seven years old, one summer is a much larger percentage of your entire lifetime than it is when you're 50, 60 years old. True. That is true. Never so, thought about it like yeah, that. So that. Good that job there, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it does seem to go a lot faster. And uh, and I just think that, that it just it, it underscores to me, and I don't follow my own instructions to myself, but it underscores to me every winter. I say, I've got to enjoy summer more I know. next year. I know. And I, I mean, I was super busy, you know, guiding. So I'm on the water virtually every single day. And, and, um, but boy, the time just goes by so fast. It really does. And, you know, when you get to August, you know, and you get that little bit of a, a little tougher time for the walleyes. I mean, you're still getting them, but you just got to work for them a little harder. And then, then by mid-August, I'm thinking, oh man, we're getting close to that fall bite. And the fall bite took a little bit longer to kind of kick in. You know, we had a warm fall and it took a while for those water temperatures to start dropping. But boy, it seemed like, you know, I've said this many times in the spring, once the walleye season opens mid-May, once that water temperature gets to 60 and above, it just kind of flips a switch. And just the opposite is in the fall. When that water temperature drops below 60, it like, man, and those days are getting shorter. It just flips a switch and that, that fall bite gets going. And, uh, yeah, it was a good fall bite. And, uh, hopefully the early ice season coming up will be good too. You know, and uh, everybody I've talked to, and of course I've, I've been talking a little more hunting lately, but everybody I've been talking to fishing wise said that, that it was pretty much every species had a strong fall. It really was. The crappie bite was really good. I mean, 
you know, and we were finding crappies even into mid to late October, still up in some of those those areas where I was finding them in midsummer, some of those deep cabbage areas. But then there were on the same day on the same lake, you could find another group of them that were suspended over those deep basins and whatnot. So, it, and I always try to, I try not to fish those deep basin crappies too much if I don't have to because you know you start pulling them out of that deep water and. And they don't do real well, you know, when you bring them up out of that deep water. So we're able to pretty much catch crappies up in the, you know, that 12, 15 foot range in the deep cabbage for uh, right into, you know, mid mid to late fall. Yeah. Well, you were out in South Dakota. You love going out there. You fish there multiple times. Yeah. What uh, What is it about South Dakota that makes it such a special place to fish? That Lake Francis case. So it's, it's part of the Missouri River system out there. The... The dam, the Fort Randall Dam, is in a little town called Pickstown. That backs up Lake Francis Case. It's 120 miles long. Hmm. The Fort Thompson Dam, which is north of, of uh, oh, jeepers, what's that town? Uh, Chamberlain. Oh, okay. North of Chamberlain. Yep, yep. So that dam is about 15 miles north of Chamberlain. So from that dam, which backs up Lake Sharp, from there all the way south down to the Fort Randall Dam, it's about 120 miles long. <clears throat> it's an amazing fishery. And where I fish in that Bone Still, South Dakota area, it's about, oh, probably by car, it's about 90 miles south of Chamberlain. But it doesn't get near the pressure as like up in that Chamberlain area does. And those walleyes in the fall, they kind of start migrating northward up towards that dam. They don't all go up there, but they start migrating up that way. And... um I was catching them, me and my folks I had out there, like that 12 to 14 foot range. And we, we were long line jigging. And what that is, we just, we cast the jigs way out behind the boat. And I put it in reverse, usually using my trolling motor if it's not too windy. And just pop and drag that jig real slow. And, and then you get on a group of them, you can spot lock with your trolling motor and just pitch jigs. And, and it's a ball. And the smallmouth bass fishing is really good out there too. And, you know, the walleyes out there though, you know, Around here, we got that beautiful golden color, you know, Canadian Shield type walleyes. Well, they're they're kind of the gray color. There's a lot of this gray shale in the water out there, and so they kind of have that. They're not near as pretty as the ones around here, but by golly, they sure taste just as good. <laughs> <laughs> now, do do they behave differently? Are they more aggressive? Are they, or is it pretty much the same as when you catch a walleye here? Yeah, they're pretty much the same. You know, out there, there's there's no grass. Or weeds, anything like that. It's all gravel, chunk rock, boulders, smaller rocks. And in the fall, they, they, they really start lowering the water, you know, to get ready for the snow melt for next spring. So it can be, you know, where you're fishing in 12 foot of water one day, you know, you might have to go out even further out from shore just to get back into that 12 foot level. And a lot of times those walleyes will follow as that water level goes down. And just like around here, They'll follow those, the bait fish. And it, so I'm always looking for balls of bait fish. Even if I don't mark walleyes, you know, even with a good electronic, sometimes those walleyes are down in them rocks and it's hard to really distinguish if, if there's walleyes down there. So I always will fish those spots for a while. And nine times out of 10, if there's bait fish in the area, there's going to be walleyes real close by. And, and it's just a ball and you can, you know, jig in a minnow and, and the, the, the smallmouth bass will hit a jig in a minnow too. And then you can go to plastics if you want to do that. You'll still catch some walleyes, but you'll catch a lot more smallmouth bass too. And the only thing out there is the wind. That wind comes up out there and that's, it's a big reservoir and the, 
the valley out there where the river is, it's like a wind tunnel. And boy, I'll tell you, I've gone out in the morning where it's dead calm and you're coming back late in the afternoon and you're fighting four footers. And it's, you know, you got to, you know, got to know where you're going and what you're doing because it, uh, it can be pretty wicked out there at times too. Oh yeah. Wow. Um, and, and speaking of uh, wind turtle, where, what are you thinking? I mean, what's, what are you anticipating? Well, I, I if, mean, when are we going to get ice? Yeah, well, I tell you, it's supposed to get down close to zero, you know, this the week before Thanksgiving. That's going to help. Mm-hmm. And then, it, you know, the extended forecast is what I can see two weeks out. There's nothing above freezing and temperatures in the teens for the most part. So we're going to get some we're going to start getting some ice. But, you know, everybody wants to get out there early. It's a long winter season. And so. You know, some of the, me, I know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some of the bigger lakes like Bemidji, those deeper lakes, they're going to take a lot longer to, you know, get froze up. But, you know, one of the first lakes that freezes up in our area that's as good as it gets is Lake Irving. That's always one of the first lakes to freeze up. And, again, you got to use extreme caution. You know, go with a partner. Make sure you have ice picks around. You know, you want to have at least four inches. But I know... I fault my own self. There's, I don't do it quite so much as I did in my younger days, but I've been out there on two inches of ice, and that's a little spooky. So we got a long season. You know, be careful out there, and uh, let's have a safe, fun uh, fishing season coming up this winter. And I think the bite, if it's anything like the fall bite was, that early bite is going to be good. And early bite doesn't mean you have to be out there, you know, by the by Thanksgiving on two inches of ice. That early bite will go, you know, it'll go right through into early part of January. I mean, it, it, the walleye fight fishing is usually really, really good. And, and the crappies and the perch and stuff, you know, the perch will go all winter long. But, um, no, it's uh, it's coming up soon, Kev. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and uh, the, we'll see the villages out on the, uh, on the lakes again pretty soon, no doubt about it. Um, so, you know, I got to admit. I am a warm weather wuss. Yeah, you know I would much, <laughs> prefer, I you know I would much prefer being in a boat on a, in a you know early June in a June day. I think that'd be the that's the that's ideal, ideal time for me to fish. Yeah. Um, what is it about ice fishing? Well, now it, it's it's with the wheelhouses out there now, Kev. It's so comfortable. I mean, it really is. When I was a kid, it was sitting on a five gallon bucket. My dad would take an empty coffee can and put charcoal in the bottom, light it, and put it next to my hole to kind of keep the hole hopefully opened up, and I could warm my hands up. And if it was windy, he'd prop up a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood behind me to kind of block the wind, and we thought, this is amazing. And now with these, you know, the the portables that you can pull out there, early ice, or any time for that matter, you know, you throw a little Mr. Buddy heater in there, and you're comfortable. And then you got, you know, like my wheelhouses. I mean... You know, bunks, bathroom, stove, oven, color television. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you, I can turn the heat up to 80. I mean, it's, it is, it's like fishing in your gosh darn living room. So I think people spend more time out on the ice because of that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll take the whole weekend and stay out in their fish houses all night long and maybe catch a few during the night. So I think the, just the comfort level has risen so much. The, the gear that's out there now, you know, you can get these ice augers now that, you know, the electric ones, I mean, gas ones are pretty much obsolete now. You get these these electric ice augers that, you know, weigh 20 pounds. You can tote them around all day long. You can cut 150 holes with them on one charge if you want to. Um, and, and the rods and reels now, it's just everything's gotten more techie, but just more easy to use for people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and people, there's no doubt they're really into it. Oh, they for, really are. For, for sure. And it keeps getting, you know, 
I think, more and more and more and more. And, you know, the, the one thing I do want to stress, though, is, you know, there's been some problems with litter. And like on Red Lake last year, people that have the big RV type of wheelhouses, you know, were dumping their stuff on the ice. You just you do not do that. Mm-hmm. You know, pick up after yourself. I can't tell you how many times when I was pulling my houses off last spring, you know, I'd stop and I'd, you know, it's not most people. It's just a few. But, you know, there'll be a bag of litter out there or they leave their blocks of wood or something, you know. And so I would stop and throw them in the back of my truck. You know, pick up. And because I'll tell you what, people that aren't ice fishermen and maybe they're out there snowmobiling or skiing across the lake or whatever, and they see stuff like that, that does not bode well for us fishermen. So, you know, pick up your stuff. If you see somebody that maybe something blew out of a truck or they maybe accidentally left it on the ice, pick it up and take it into the trash. Yeah, and uh, if it stays there until it melts, then that just decays our lake. Exactly, exactly. And so, um, you know, let's do a, an even better job than what we've been doing, and uh, it'll be good for everybody. Getting ready for hard water fishing with Dick Beardsley of Dick Beardsley's Guide Service. We'll have a lot more with Dick later on. But up next, our Lake of the Week from the heart of the Brainerd Lakes area. I'm Mike Frisch of Fishing the Midwest, and I'm proud to help Kev Jackson Sound smart on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education and six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service and Fish House Rentals. Are you looking to plan your next ice fishing adventure? Well, look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is the place to be. There are over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji. Come drop a line at becoming a fishing legend. While on your fishing adventure, explore the hundreds of well-groomed snowmobile trails that Bemidji has to offer. Don't forget to take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Bathe the Blue Ox. Bemidji, bigger fish and better stories. Hi, this is Nate Blazing with the Nissla Guide League, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, holy cow. We're headed over to the Brainerd Area Fisheries Office to find out about one of the great lakes in the Brainerd area, and we are talking with David Lockwood. He's a fisheries specialist in that office. David, thanks for joining us once again. Good to be with you, Kevin. So we're going to talk about uh, Big Thunder Lake, and, and as I was taking a look, it's a 1,300-acre lake. I'm looking at the map. That lake is just loaded with structure. Uh, there's a lot of lines on that lake map. Yeah, there is. It's uh, got a lot of uh, some several bays and just a lot of humps and reefs and that kind of stuff out there. Yeah, it's one of those lakes, you know, long, narrow, with a, with a couple different bays in it, and uh, and so it gives you a lot of shoreline, you know, to to take a look at rather than you know a big round bowl would have. And so I think that that makes for some really interesting uh, traveling around the lake, if nothing else. Yep, it's in a lot of places to try to fish, and hopefully can find some out there. And 
You know, it's uh, it, it's it seems to be a really solid walleye lake. Again, I'm looking at the 2017 survey, and I'm seeing you had six per gillnet with a with an average up near two pounds. So that's a good solid number. Yeah, it's a good walleye lake. We it's got some fair amount of natural reproduction out there, and we do stock fingerlings out there every other year, and so it gets a good supply of walleyes and and people catch walleyes out there, and it's they do pretty good and. They can get pretty good size too. The last survey we did, we had them up to about 28 inches out there, and which is a nice, nice walleye anywhere. Absolutely, and it's got some real, uh, you know, it's it's not a shallow lake. The average depth is about 37 feet, max depth 95. Not the deepest lake either, but uh, definitely a lot of water out there. What else are we going to find besides walleyes? Uh, it's a pretty good smallmouth bass lake. There's a lot of rock out there, and so they do pretty well out there. And the last survey out there, we caught. Well, most of our bass are sampled by electrofishing. We caught 31 smallmouths an hour, and they averaged about 12 and a half inches, but 53% were over 12 inches, and they were up to a little over 19 inches. So it's pretty good bass fishing out there, especially for largemouth, or smallmouth. Okay. Um, a lot of, oh, go ahead. A lot of largemouth, too. They, mm-hmm. get, they get up to about 18 inches, but there's good numbers of them between 12 and 16 inches or so. How about uh, panfish? Is it a good panfish lake? The panfish are out there. They they get some crappies and some sunfish, but it's it's more known for the the bass or walleye lakes. But they do get some crappies, and they mm-hmm. max out about twelve inches or so in our surveys. I see. There's not doesn't appear to be a whole lot of northerns in there, but the ones that are in there look like they're pretty good size. Yeah, it's kind of a rarity for the especially the Brainerd area to not have an overabundance <laughs> of northerns. We get just under two a net, and they average about twenty five inches and. We've got them up to about 40 inches. Okay. Surveys, and, they're, and they're fat fish out there, too. Um, so, what are, what are, you know, besides uh, all the, uh, like I said, the uh, structure on that lake, what are some other good characteristics about it? Uh, it's, it's, for the Brainerd area, it makes you feel like you're up in the northern Minnesota. It's got a lot of cedar trees, uh, rock along the shoreline, pine trees. It just gives it up north feel to the lake. It's pretty quiet lake, not that busy. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, so it's. Not a lot of boat traffic. <laughs> so uh, define the middle of nowhere. Where are we going to find this lake? It's uh, eight miles north of Outing on uh, up Highway 6. And then you've got to take the little windy road called South Thunder Lake Drive, several miles to the access on the west side. So it's not, not, not many people live around there. Okay. Well, you know what? I love those kinds of trips and, and checking out those lakes. Uh, like you say, it's very relaxing, nice and quiet. Probably see some more undisturbed uh, wildlife that you, that you maybe don't see on a busier lake. A lot of cool things with it, and and in this case, just a gem of a fishery too. Lots of good fish of of the kind we like to catch. Yeah, it's a it's a good lake, and it's we're out there in the middle of the week working. But you you see two or three boats. That's a lot of boats out there on a thirteen hundred acre lake. That's nothing. So, yeah, like you said, uh, it, it gives that the fishery a chance to grow, and if there's not getting too much pressure, um, you know, um, if you do get out there, you should have some success. Yeah, it, it's a kind of a clear lake, so especially walleyes might be more low-light periods, might be better fishing, but it's, it's a good lake overall. Have we, uh, are we aware of any AIS that are out there at this point? There are zebra mussels out there. They're found in the last year or two, so it's, Unfortunately, so hopefully that doesn't change the lake too much, but you you never know. So people just got to be careful, make sure they clean their equipment off and their boats when they come and go. 
Yeah, I think it's and, and everything's you know everything's short term right now in our knowledge of of how AIS and, and zebra mussels in particular are affecting our our lakes. But in the short term, what I'm seeing, you know, is that uh, oftentimes it's just a matter of fish move to a new spot doesn't seem to affect the populations. And in a clear water fishery, that would have been a good early morning, late evening bite. It might be an even earlier morning and later evening bite. Uh, but it seems like the fish stick around. Yep, there's and there's. And with being fingerling stocked, and some of our bigger walleye lakes, the the walleye fry aren't doing the greatest for zebra mussels. We don't quite know why yet, but uh, so the fingerling stocked, they, they're good to go after that. And there is a lot of perch in the lake, so there's plenty of food for the walleyes. All right, so it's a it sounds like a gem of a lake, and it's it's kind of like the lakes I really like when it when we do this lake of the week feature. I'm always trying to look for something that maybe doesn't get as much uh, action that maybe people don't think about. Uh, that's kind of nice and fun and out of the way, and Thunder seems to to check all those boxes. Yeah, it's not really on a lot of people's radar, so that's kind of nice to get away and escape there when it's busy times. All right, and, you know, they call it Big Thunder, uh, but when I checked out Big Thunder, I couldn't find it, so I had to go with just Thunder. So if you want to take a look at it on the on the DNR website, you, you got to go with Thunder and uh, find the one that's in the Brainerd Area Fisheries realm, and uh, and you can check it out. David Lockwood is from the Brainerd Area Fisheries Office. He's a fishery specialist there. He's got the details on our Lake of the Week, which is Big Thunder. And, David, thank you for your time today. Uh, no problem. Good to be with you. This is Toby Kabalivak. All of us at LOA are proud to make Kev Jackson sound smart. Sort of. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Dick Beardsley, my guest today. We are previewing hard water season, and Dick, ice fishing coming up, uh, we, and then the next thing we know, it'll be it'll be time for next season. Um, what did you oh. see out there this year? Um, that did you notice anything that's got you concerned long term? Um, I don't think concerned long term. Maybe um, the one thing I noticed with the late spring we had, you know, ice not going off till what seventh, eighth of May or something like that. At least I'm talking about mainly Lake Bemidji now. Some of those areas that I like to fish early in the season that have these nice little isolated but really nice cabbage spots, just they just didn't develop. This, the, the cabbage is way more scattered, and there's a few areas on the lake where I can almost every year for the first month of the season, I can count on catching these nice walleyes in six, eight foot of water up mm-hmm. in this cabin. They just weren't there this year. You know, so that was something I definitely... Have I'm talking Lake Bemidji now, seen a lot more zebra mussels, a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I fish some areas where there's some old wood and, and, and some some nice cabbage, and sometimes you'll get hooked up on that, and you'll you'll pull up just a big glob of these gosh dang zebra mussels. Um, so, you know, that's obviously a concern, and I, I didn't notice that the water was any clearer than normal. I mean... At times, it seemed like it might have been a little bit more clear, but that's where you just got to, you know, change your techniques a little bit. And I've always been a weed guy, you know, fishing for walleyes, and and so I, I don't do a lot of vertical jigging because I don't fish. I, personally, I don't fish real deep for walleyes, so I kind of hang on those weed lines. And but then I do that long line jigging, what I call it. And you, we casters, I tell people in the boat, you cast it as far away from the boat as you can. And I'll use the trolling motor, and we'll just work along that edge or that break. And I think with the clear waters that we're, you know, seeing on some of the lakes, some of it because of the zebra mussels, some of it they're just, they're very clear lakes anyhow, 
you know, getting away from the boat and not spooking those fish as easily, I think, makes a big, big difference. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, zebra mussels are going to change. They are going to change Lake Bemidji. Yeah. You are going to have oh, yeah. to make adjustments. Yeah. We've heard about it on Cass Lake. Right. Huge adjustments had to be made. Yeah. Uh, even Winnie right. uh, is clearing up, and they've had to change where they fish. As far as we can tell, uh, everything I've seen, short-term-wise anyway, yeah. doesn't affect the population. No, any. no. And Lake Erie's had them for 50-plus right. years. Right. And what a fishery that is. Yeah. But, Kev, even in, like, August, you know, on Cass and that Cass Lake chain, I mean, I was talking to guys, and I personally witnessed myself, catching walleyes in the middle of the day in 12 foot of water. I mm. mean, out on cast. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Now, you had to be either close or right up into the cabin to do that. But, you know, but then I talked to some other guys. I've got a guy client that's got a cabin out on cast. He won't even go out there until, you know, just before dusk. And then they start trolling, like, shallow running crankbaits over the top of the bars, and they just crush them out there, you know. So... Mm. You know, to each his own. I mean, I, I think they're still catchable. You might have to change your techniques a little bit. And um, it's it's something that I don't think you need to use an excuse. Well, I, I can't catch walleyes because the water's too clear. You know, you can still catch them. You just got to work at it a little bit different. It's Yeah, it's it's just educating yourself. Yeah, exactly. They are now. And be willing to make a little bit of a change. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know. As we get older, we kind of get stubborn, and I'm that way some days. And But sometimes you've got to make that little change if you want to put a few more fish in the boat. All right. Well, I'm assuming you have plenty of opportunities for us to use your, uh, ice, your ice houses this winter. Yeah, you betcha. I've got a few things on the book now, on the books now. You know, you never know when we're going to get that kind of ice where I can get out there with my truck and get the wheelhouses out there. But things are looking good right now. You know, at this point in the year, hopefully sometime in early December, we'll be able to start getting some houses pulled out. And, um, yeah, they can just give me a call at 218-556-7172, and um, we'll get you set up with a nice fish house, and you'll have a good time. All right. Well, as always, we've got to wrap up with Fast Five. I love Fast Five. All right. You got me nervous, Kev. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. What is the biggest fish you've ever caught? 46-inch northern pike. That's a big one. That's a big, and it came on Eagle Lake, just east of Detroit Lakes. Really? About 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big one. (laughs) You got a picture, I assume. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Where would you be? Where would your favorite place to live be if you weren't in Bemidji? Oh, boy. That's a good one. Um, What's the Turtle River? (laughs) (laughs) I want to be close. Okay. No, no, no. Just come on now. Okay. Uh, You've been to a lot of places. Yeah. Well, Probably like the Detroit Lakes or Park Rapids area. I mean, they they're like here, lots of lakes, lots of outdoor opportunities. I don't I don't need to be in Florida or any place like that. So you'll be kicking and screaming if we're dragging you out of Minnesota. Oh yeah, oh for sure, <laughs> Kev. I bleed Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Question number three, and we're we're moving off fishing now. Okay. And I think I might know the answer to this one, but I'm gonna let you tell it. What is your most memorable marathon experience? It would have to be the 1981 Grandma's Marathon at, in Duluth. And um, it, was, uh, it was the first. I, I won it in 81 and 82. But 1981, um, I was fortunate to, to break the course record there. And I, I just missed the American record that day by about nine seconds, I think. But that wasn't what made it so special. It was the first time my mom and dad had ever seen me run a marathon and 
they were at the finish line, and my dad, who you could hit over the head with a two by four, and he wouldn't cry. I come through the finish line. My mom's crying. My dad's crying. They're mm-hmm. hugging me, and it was just a special moment. And not because I won, but because my mom and dad were there. A lot of people think, "Oh, it's got to be that 1982 Boston Marathon." Listen, that's right up there. But that one with my mom and dad there. And just such a joyous moment for the three of us. It was very, very special. That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. Then, uh, based, not, not, not individual race, but overall, you've raced a lot of marathons. What is your favorite marathon? I'm going right back to it. The Grandma's Marathon, Kev. There's something special. First off, I love Duluth. It's a wonderful community. And they put on this gigantic race. And, you know, it's, Duluth isn't that big. It's what, 80,000 people. Mm-hmm. But I look, I've been to races in Chicago, Boston, and New York with populations in the millions. And nobody does a better job than the, the folks at Grandma's Marathon. And that course starting there just south of two harbors along the old scenic highway and along that big pond to our left called Lake Superior. And the organization, the people from the community support that thing 100%. They come out and cheer all the runners on, whether you're the first one or the last one or somebody in between. It's got to be the Grandma's Marathon. All right. Well, another quick question for you then. (laughs) What marathon has the best announcer? Oh, without doubt, the Blue Ox Marathon here Darn in Bemidji. Right. <laughs> Darn right, Kev. I mean, you even got me coming across. The, I, I figured you'd gone home by the time I crossed the finish line in <laughs> the half marathon. And that is a wonderful event we have here in town. They do a great job with that. Very well organized. The weather this year was about as perfect oh, as you could get for a, for a half marathon and marathon. And uh, we are so fortunate to have people that – Put on an event like that because I tell you what, Kev, it's not just going out and putting a starting line here and a finish line over here and shooting the gun. I mean, it takes a lot of preparation, a lot of sponsorship, you know, a lot of dollars to put on an event like that. But uh, yeah, the tenth one was uh, as good as it gets. Okay, final question, question number five A: Which lake of the Biggies, which lake will freeze first? Red. That's kind of an easy one. Yeah, it? that was pretty easy. That was pretty easy, Kev. But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> well, you know, I know there's a lot of people watching it, watching it closely. Oh, yes, they they're are. Pl- they're pumped to get out there. Absolutely. And it'll be good, you know. They, I think that's a three-fish limit this winter out there, and mm-hmm. um, I can't remember exact size of restrictions. But anyhow, oh, yeah, that's, that's one of the first that'll freeze up, and uh, guys are just chomping at the bit to get there, that's for sure. Well, we talked about getting ready for ice fishing and, and getting a house rented, but I'm assuming you'll also take some uh, bookings for next uh, soft water season. I'm already as well. starting to get some coming into the book. So, yeah, if you want to book a ice house rental or an open water guide trip next uh, open water season, give me a call at 218 556 7172, or you can go to my website, dickbeardsleyfishingguide.com. I'm also on Facebook. Dick Beardsley, as always, great to have you in today. Thanks for taking the hey, time. Hey, always a pleasure, Kev. Good luck, everybody, and be safe out there. Bye-bye.